good singing this morning. Seen the light. I hope that goes well with our sermon this morning. So it's been a lot of time since we've sung that, so we'll sing it again. And I didn't figure Martha had forgotten it, and I'm glad she hadn't. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to begin reading in uh, verse 13. And there. titled uh, this morning's message, Pepper in the Gumbo. I'm not sure why I picked that title. You know, it's, uh, I say, you know, you use food illustrations a lot. And I suppose part of the reason is that food is something that all of us have in common. Uh, we all have to eat uh, to stay alive. And from the looks of it, most of us are really good at it uh, and really enjoy it. Amen. And, uh, one thing that makes a great difference in food is, is if spices are used in the right way. A, a little salt, a little pepper uh, make things a whole lot better. Uh, and uh, that just as that food tastes better when we put seasonings on it, our life and this world is supposed to be a whole lot better and is a whole lot better if we let the Lord season our life. You know, it's possible, and we all know people, and probably all of us have had seasons in our life where we've lived without the Lord. We've wandered away, and, and maybe we've said, you know, I really don't need Him. I'll do things on my own. And the Lord will let us do that. The Lord lets us make that decision for ourselves that we're going to do what we want to do and leave him behind, leave him in the dust, but it saddens him and he knows that our life is not going to be as fulfilling and as peaceful and meaningful as God created us uh, to be. We are created by God, but we are also created for God. And when we are not living with Him, and we're not in a right relationship with Him, everything else in our world is affected by it. Now, that doesn't mean if you're in church every week, and you pray every day, and you read your Bible every day, that you're not going to have any problems. In fact, if, if experience is anything, probably if you do those things, you're going to have more problems. But the thing is, is that when the child of God that's walking with God and, you know, fellowship with God's people, reading God's word, uh, praying, spending time with God every day, they're able to handle those problems a whole lot easier than those that try to do it all alone. And Jesus is making that point in the great Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. So I call your attention to verse 13. He says, uh, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. 
Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Then verse 17 says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For I assuredly say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of the commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus here in this story, he's given the Beatitudes, talking about how to uh, live a, a happy and a fulfilled Christian life by putting those principles into practice that are the first uh, part of this chapter. And then he begins to make some practical applications out of it. And he first uses two wonderful object lessons. Uh, the Lord knows that we as human beings, we if we can have a picture of something, we'll understand it a whole lot better. By the way, he knows that because he created us. Uh, he knows how we're wired. Uh, and so he uses two illustrations. The first one they use is salt. He said, you are the salt of the earth. Now, all of us know from cooking that some salt is pretty good. Too much salt, though, is not good. Not only does it raise your blood pressure and all that kind of stuff, but too much salt in a recipe it's just not good. It makes it, it's too salty. It's almost bitter, if you will. It's, it's not good. But if you had some salt that sat for a really long time and it sat uh, next to something that would absorb its saltiness, and so you still have that crystal, but the saltiness out of it is gone, the taste of it, it wouldn't be worth anything, would it? If there was such a thing as tasteless salt, would you buy it? No, you wouldn't buy it. You buy it and you put it on your food because it makes it taste good. Jesus said, in that same way, you as my disciples are to make an impact. And once salt gets in something, it affects it. When you add salt to it, it is no longer the same. And the thing also is that once you put that salt in, you can't get it back out. And so the first point that I want you to see that I think Jesus is trying to get us to understand is that Jesus' disciples are expected to make a difference. Just like when you put salt in your soup or on your lunch after church if you put a reasonable amount it will taste good if you dump the whole salt shaker and it will not taste good but it will have an impact even if it's too much it still has an impact doesn't it 
Jesus used another illustration. He went on and said, you are the light of the world. Now, salt and light, two very different things, but Jesus is making the same point with both of them. Just like salt affects everything that it touches, so does light. You know, everywhere there's light, there's no darkness. Even if it's just a little glimmer of of light, it still breaks through darkness and takes away. Darkness. Darkness really is nothing but the absence of light. And Jesus says, what numbskull would light a lamp in the middle of a room and then put a dark shade over it? Why, that's silly. Say, no, you don't cover up that light. You open it so that it will light up the room and give light to everyone. And so... Can I tell us something about the difference that we're making? The difference is supposed to affect us. And it should most definitely affect us, just like salt immediately affects whatever it touches. Just like light takes away darkness and, and lights the path for us. But it doesn't just do it for us, it does it for everything it touches. And so it not only makes a difference in our life, but as we're salt and light, as the Lord works in our life, as we grow more like Him, it should spread. So our salt and our light touches not only our life and not only our family, those in our house, but it affects everything we touch. Everything we do should be affected by our relationship with Jesus. And so, Jesus wants us to understand that we are supposed to be different as God's children. That was the point of those first 11 verses of Matthew chapter 5, as we talked about last week. That the child of God is supposed to live a little bit... Our our way of doing things is supposed to be a little bit peculiar. Christians are supposed to be different than the world. When we're not, it means we've lost our saltiness and our light has dimmed. We're not having the impact that we're supposed to have. But then he goes on and he makes this point that, hey, listen, if you are one of... Jesus' disciples, it will impact not only every area of your life, not only everything you do and everything you say, but it will also make an impact on your world. This world definitely needs some Jesus seasoning. It definitely needs some Jesus light. Our world is a very dark place. And the only thing that can change the darkness of this world is the light of Christ. But I tell you that governments, the UN, the uh, self-help group, none of those things are going to bring light to this world. Peace treaties will not bring light to this world. 
you know, we've seen here in recent history, you know, people can sign a piece of paper and say, you know what, we're not going to fight anymore. But that piece of paper doesn't mean diddly squat until they quit fighting, does it? And most of the time they don't. They shake hands, get a picture made, and then they're back to fighting, you know, a few hours later. The only thing that can bring light to this dark world is Jesus. And you know who Jesus has designed to be, the carrier of that light that impacts the world? You and I. Those that name the name of Jesus, we are in a very real way supposed to be flashlights for the Lord. So that everywhere we go, we bring light with us. And again, everywhere light goes, guess what happens to darkness? It's supposed to go away. That influence of light affects that darkness, and the darkness is no more because there's light there. And so listen, it's mighty important that we have Christians involved in leading businesses. It's mighty important that we have Christians involved in government, in all kind, every level of society needs some Christians in it. We even need Christians in Hollywood, and thankfully there are some. There are some Christians that are trying to be light in a dark world, and we see the mess Hollywood puts out. Just imagine how worse it would be if there wasn't some light influence, even in California. So Jesus makes the point, he said, if you're going to follow me, it means you're going to have to be different. But understand this, the only way you can be different is if Jesus Christ has changed you. You see, you can't be any different if Jesus hasn't changed you. Scripture says in the book of Romans that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us has this disease called sin, and it affects every one of us. And we need Christ to change and when we ask Christ to come into our life, when we accept the gift that he gave on the cross of Calvary, the word of God says it changes us. It changes our very nature. And we are no longer the same. We're new creations. In other words, we're different. We're not what we used to be. We're something new. And when we're something new, we make a difference. We have a different effect on our world. Does that mean that all of a sudden everything we touch just becomes perfect? And, you know, no, it doesn't. But our world should be changed because of our influence in it. But then Jesus, you know, begins to take another tact in his sermon. He, He Reminds us, listen, we, we're to make a difference. We're to be different, and we're to make a difference in our world. But then he kind of said, you know what, though, it's not just about hugging trees. It's not about just being nice. Should we be nice? Yeah, absolutely, we should be nice. But Jesus makes clear, and he spends a good bit of time say, listen, there's still, 
not only is there a difference in your life, but there's a different set of rules, if you will. There's a rule book that you play by that's different than before you met Christ. And so the last point that I want to say, just two points this morning, the last one is this. For Jesus' disciples, righteousness is our duty. Jesus goes on, he says, listen, not only are you to impact everything, you're to be light and you're to be salt. But the thing that will keep your salt salty and your light bright is living for the Lord and living the Lord's way. You see, a disciple is someone who has decided, I'm going to put my life under the authority and teachings of someone else. And the truth of the matter, everybody is a disciple of someone or something. You can be a disciple of atheism. You can be a a disciple of, you know, football or baseball or anything that, you know, our life is ruled by. We're a disciple of. Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you're going to be different. But understand this, that, and there are some in our world that say, listen, Christians are about grace. And I'm thankful today for the amazing grace of God. The only reason I'm standing here is because of God's grace. And the only reason you're here is because of God's grace. I'm thankful for God's grace. But God's grace does not erase God's law. And so there still are some behavioral expectations that God has for his people. Just like salt acts like salt. Salt cannot sweeten anything. It can bring out the sweetness of something that's already there. But it can't make something sweet that's not sweet already. Light impacts, you know, but you have a flashlight. And it lights your path. But what happens the moment you turn that flashlight on? Why, it's dark all of a sudden because there's not light there anymore. Jesus reminds us that, listen, he said, don't you think that you can just say, well, I believe in Jesus and I've been, you know, he paid my sin debt, so I'm good. I'm just going to go do what I want to. Because he knew how we human beings think. He knew that's what we would do. Say, well, it's just about grace. I prayed a prayer. My name's in the church book. I put a dollar in the offering. I'm good. Jesus made the point that to say, listen, no, you're not. He said, the law still exists. Jesus said, I came not to destroy it, but to fulfill it. And until it's fulfilled completely. When will it be filled completely? When he comes again. That means that though we are not saved by grace, are saved by the law, we're saved by grace. Because none of us can keep the law perfectly. And so Jesus paid our sin debt for us. He paid the sin debt of all the world. Anyone that will accept that gift, God will save. But after we're saved, because we're saved, we live differently. And the law all of a sudden has a, an effect that it no longer condemns us because that's what the law does when we're guilty. We know that it condemns us. 
But Paul and the other writers of the New Testament remind us that the law sets us free. That we're not under the law anymore, we're under grace. But still, this law is there. Well, what part does the law have in the child of God? Well, I'm glad you asked. The law is our God. It helps us to know what God considers to be right. In our culture today, what is right changes almost daily. What's acceptable is always changing to this world. What's politically correct or what's in or what's popular changes all the time. But guess what? God's direction for his people has not changed in thousands of years. And God is still the same today as he was yesterday and will be the same tomorrow. And so if he says it's wrong to, to lie and it's wrong to cheat, it's wrong to be adultery, it's wrong to kill, it's murder, it's still wrong. So God's commandments in what we know as the Old Testament are still at least somewhat valid for us. There are some that we don't observe anymore, thankfully, like bringing uh, blood offerings to church. In the Old Testament, they would bring sin offerings, a goat or a, a sheep, a lamb, and its blood would be sprinkled to pay for sin. Now, they didn't really believe that that sin paid, that blood paid for their sin. But what they did believe, because this is what God said, it was a foreshadowing of what Jesus Christ would do on the cross of Calvary. And because Jesus Christ shed his perfect and sinless blood for mankind, we don't have to have blood sacrifices anymore, praise God. Because that blood, the blood of Jesus that he shed, it still covers all of us. And I'm thankful for that. But because God's blood covers us, we have a duty to live for him. So Jesus made the point, he said, listen, not one jot or one tittle. In other words, not one, even the dot above an eye will pass away from the law until it's completed. He's making the point, listen, the law is not a checklist where, you know, we have to check off every day we've done this or we've done this or we haven't done this. That's not what the law is supposed to do. But the law is supposed to tell us, hey, listen, this is how God thinks, and these are the things that God thinks are right. And so if God thinks something's right, guess what we're supposed to think? We're supposed to think it's right, too. And the law shows us, listen, these things over here, God says, is wrong. And guess what? If God says something is wrong, we as God's people are supposed to think it's wrong, too. And so while we are saved by grace through faith, Because we have been saved. Because we have been changed. We shine brightly for Jesus and we we are different. We're not what we used to be. We're new creations. And so that means the things that are important to us have changed. 
that's why Jesus is going to later on in the gospel sum up to us what the law is. Somebody comes and says, what's the most important command? What do I absolutely have to keep in order to make it to heaven? And Jesus said, well, there's really two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. In other words, love God with everything you have, with how you think, how you talk, how you live. And then he said the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. He said on these two things hang all of the law and the prophets. And so we need to remember that if we are Jesus' disciple and we want to follow him, it means that there is a difference in our life. There's a different authority that we have in our life, that we are not our own anymore. We've been bought with a price. That we're not what we used to be. That our priorities are different. How we spend our time, how we spend our money changes. But then remember that even though we are under grace and not under the law, as Paul says, the law still guides and God still expects us to be holy. Peter says, be, reminds us of what the book of Leviticus said. Peter said, be holy, for the Lord your God is holy. And God is still holy today on March the 5th, 2017. And if God is still holy, he expects us to be holy. But we need to understand again that on our own, left to our own devices, we don't have a shot of being holy. It is only by Christ making a difference and changing us, and then daily having a this decision that we are going to surrender our life to the Lord. You know, salvation is not just a one-moment thing. We're saved in a moment. When we receive that gift that God gave, we're saved, and we're saved as we're ever going to be in that moment. But the, that salvation continues. And we have to make a decision every day, not just on Sunday, by the way, that we're going to live for the Lord, that we're going to live Monday when we go to school or when we go to work, that we're going to live for the Lord on Monday too. And on Friday afternoon that we're going to use our weekend for the Lord as well. Because I tell you, if the Lord's not the Lord on Monday, or on Friday and on Saturday, he's not your Lord on Sunday either. But if he is your Lord, then he makes a difference in your life. And he will help you. He'll not only change you, but he continues to do so. But as he changes us, it reminds us that, you know what? God still expects us to live for him. God expects for us to act on his behalf. He expects that when people look at us, 
they don't see us at all. Did you pick that up in Jesus' story? He said, listen, you're to be salt and you're to be light. Not just so that you can be, a, be different. But did you catch what he said? He said that the world might see your good works. In other words, they notice it. They say, you know what, those people at Calvary, they're a little odd. They're different. That's part of it. But the other part of it, the other side of that coin is that they glorify your Father in heaven. Say, man, those people are different. Say, listen, I know that fellow when he was growing up. And he was the biggest sinner in our neighborhood. And if God can save him and clean him up, well, maybe he can do that for me too. And you see, the truth is, he can. And not only can he, but he will. And that is the great news of the gospel. But if we are not living it first, if we've not been changed by it and daily remember that, then others aren't going to see our good works because they're not going to be there. And if they're not there pointing them to the kingdom of heaven, they're not going to make it there either. And so Jesus said it wasn't just by being good or keeping the law. It was about living right with him. And that's why he said in conclusion uh, that unless your righteousness exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees, Well, in our world today, we don't have scribes and we don't have Pharisees. These were people that were, uh, scribes were those that taught and studied and copied the scriptures. They were ones that made the scrolls that they used uh, in uh, worship. Uh, They were the ones that taught Sunday school. The Pharisees were ones that they uh, kept the law. I mean, they were teetotalers. If God's word said they were, I mean, they walked the line and walked it straight. And so Jesus said, unless you're righteous, well, that's a pretty tall order. Except for many of the scribes and Pharisees, Jesus uses uses that what should be a good term almost as a term of derision. Because what they were supposed to be is not what they were. And those Sunday school teachers, instead of teaching God's word and copying God's word, began to write their own word. And began to teach what they wanted to teach. And the Pharisees flaunted their righteousness. And they thought that they were saved by being righteous. Well, the truth of the matter is they were not saved by their righteousness. No one can be saved by their righteousness. Because even though you may be more righteous than the person sitting next to you. None of us are more righteous than Christ. And that's who God compares us to. He compares us to himself. And none of us can match up to that. And so Jesus was reminding us, say, listen, it's not just about behavior. It's about a relationship. And when that relationship and that behavior are melted together, God's able to do some marvelous and wonderful things. And so he says, listen, church, it's time that you put a little pepper in the gumbo of your world. 
It's time that you put some seasoning and make a difference as you go to lunch this afternoon, as you go to work tomorrow, to school tomorrow. And through the week, remember, you are supposed to be seasoning this world. And so, yeah, that ought to affect how you behave and the words that you say. And maybe some of the things you do. Some of the things you listen to. Some of the things that you laugh at. Maybe, really, this week, you're going to realize maybe aren't so funny after all. Because when people look at you, do they see salt? Do they see the light of Christ? And do they glorify your Father in heaven? They say, man, look at this. You know what? He, he's not the Pope, but he does make a difference. He is trying to really live his life. And can I tell you, that's what people are looking for. They're not asking and looking to whether how many Bible verses you've memorized and you can quote to them. People in our world are looking to see if you're living those Bible verses that you've memorized. And if you are, that makes a tremendous difference. And they are noticing your life and the seasoning. But God, help us to do that. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word and your goodness to us. Lord, we thank you for your message and a reminder to us how you love us and save us and redeem us. And Lord, that salvation that we experience by your grace changes us completely. It changes the very chemical makeup of who we are. Lord, if there's one here today that's never trusted in you, Lord, their makeup has never been changed. Today, would you help them see their need for you? And would you help them to have courage to accept the gift that you've given to them, just to say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I accept the gift that Jesus gave on the cross. Thank you for dying for my sin. Lord, maybe there's a child of yours here today that maybe their salt is not as salty as it once was. And they would just need to rededicate their life to you and say, Lord, help me to be as salty as I can be. Help my light to shine as brightly as it possibly can shine into this dark world. Lord, we lift up prayer requests. We pray for those that are sick. Among us, many that are battling cancer and different things, Lord, we pray your hand upon them. Lord, we pray that you would help us to be salt and light, that you might help us to bring healing to this world. The people would see the difference you've made in our life, and they'd glorify you, and they'd come to know you as we do. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Friend, let's stand.